Greater Santon and beyond. Get ready for the Santon Times Hour with your host, Alexander. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's the Santon Times Hour on Mix 93.8 FM and is always available as a podcast on Apple, Google, and Spotify. I'm Alexander Leipner. This is edition 90. 90. It's week 44. And it's still October 2022. If you want to get in touch, you can email editor at santantimes.co.za. You can connect with us on social media at Santantimes. And you can visit the website www.santantimes.co.za. Do that right now if you can and bookmark it. And check it out during the week if you can as well. Make it a regular read. You can send us your questions, your comments, your feedback. All of it is welcome. You're part of this conversation and you're part of the Santantimes Our Nation if you're listening every single week. And if you're joining us for the very first time, welcome. Thank you for making the time to listen and to show your support as you tune in from all around the world and all around South Africa. It's always great to have you here. And I'm thrilled to tell you that all is well in Santanland. As always, I'm joined by my trusty Italian sidekick, Vincenzo, who makes sure that the mixing desk does what it does and we sound good every single week. So, grazie mille, Vincenzo. My Italian's getting better, I think. I was walking into Italian Delhi this past week, and I felt like throwing a couple of phrases around. And it gets better the more you use it, right? So I'm going to be speaking the lingo. Also, if you're listening live on Mix 93.8 FM and uh, not on the podcast, you can use the WhatsApp line. And if you've got the WhatsApp number, please make sure to use it. Send in your questions and your comments. It's always good to hear from you. Also, I've been getting some great feedback on the music that we play every week on this hour. Once again, only something you benefit from when you listen to it live on FM. And uh, just to let you know, there's a dedicated Santon Times Hour playlist on Apple Music, which means that you can subscribe to it for free and uh, it gets updated every week with fresh new tracks and uh, it's best enjoyed with a cocktail or a gin and tonic or maybe even something for one of the long road trips coming up. So uh, the link is also in the show notes on the website. So go check it out. That's the Apple Music playlist for the Santon Times Hour. Well, once again, another week spoiled for choice and uh, a quick run through uh, of the week that was. Let's have a quick look here. Oceania Cruises. I don't know if you know about Oceania Cruises. Very, very swanky cruise line. Well, they revealed a new cruise season. And some plans that they've got uh, that they revealed during an intimate lunch with really literally a handful of people. So we were in a very small room and they took us through some of the things they've got planned for the upcoming cruise season 2022-2023. Beautiful, beautiful ships with the most incredible uh, layout and they've got a new ship that's coming online as well. So I'm looking forward to getting some more information on that in the coming weeks. Then we had World Champagne Day this last uh, week. Not much happened. Didn't hear from anybody. No big announcements, no big uh, bougie gatherings. But anyway, it was World Champagne Day for those of you who commemorated that. Then Spear launched its organic, good-natured wine range at the most fantastic mansion in Westcliff. I mean, it wasn't easy to find, but once we got there, what a beautiful spot. I mean, I know that Westcliff Ridge, you can see the whole of Johannesburg, the Jacarandas, just absolutely beautiful and just takes you back to a very different time in Johannesburg's history when the Rand Lords overlooked the city during the big gold rush. But uh, it's amazing to see these kind of houses still standing and, uh, yeah, being kept in in good nick. Then TCL, I don't know if you've ever heard about these, uh, guys. TCL, a new electronics brand out of China, 
well, new to us, not so new in the rest of the world, but they've announced their entry into South Africa this past week uh, with a range of TV screens, fridges, air conditioning, and more. Keep your eyes peeled. You're going to be seeing this brand popping up uh, at a couple of retail stores, and they're coming with some crazy prices and some incredible products. And I think they're going to be uh, shaking up the local industry quite a bit, especially ahead of Black Friday. Then headed to Empress Palace to see Skulk Poseidonhot. We spoke to him a couple of weeks ago. Fantastic show. If you were there, let me know. I thought it was great, and it was wonderful to uh, make a bit of a weekend of it. You know, go to Empress Palace, sleep over, watch Skulk, the whole lot. It was great. Then uh, Qatar Airways, they hosted a FIFA World Cup pop-up activation in Santon City, and I went to go test my skills against a virtual Neymar Jr. And let me tell you, Neymar Jr. won. He did quite well. I didn't think I did that well. I dribbled the ball a bit, and I think after the second round, I completely lost control. I would be in the lineup for the World Cup, let me tell you. And then finally, Pick and Pay Wine and Food Festival took place at Wanderers. Shane, there was a bit of rain, but it actually had a great turnout. There were a lot of people when I was there, some food and wine to be enjoyed. And uh, yeah, it's so good to see these festivals come online again. Coming up on this week's episode, as we start planning our December break, domestic flights seem to have taken off, or have they? I'll be speaking to a local airline to get the facts and the data. Then as the Beach Boys once put it, come on, let's cruise. We've got nothing to lose. I catch up with the MD of one of South Africa's most established cruise businesses to bring you the latest updates. Next, it's all the rage. And if you haven't got one, what are you cooking with in your kitchen? This new air fryer cookbook might help you. And finally, Santon Central is gearing up to welcome old and new faces back into the heart of Santon. I'll be getting all the details on what makes Africa's richest square mile such a hot address. Your headlines for the week are coming up shortly. But after the week I've had, I'm not sure if I'm walking into the week or stumbling in. Follow the Santon Times on social media. At Santon Times. This is the Santon Times Hour on Mix 93.8 FM with Stumbling In featuring Adeba by Amit Kilik and Stoto. It's time to take a look at your headlines for this week. Well, founder of the Red Bull Empire, Dietrich Mateschitz, has passed away at the age of 78. Uh, no, this didn't happen in Santon, but many a Santon partygoer or executive might have downed a can or three and maybe mixed with vodka or Jägermeister. Well, the man who built the most incredible brand, never mind a whole new beverage category, is no more. From his box card races to skydiving, Formula One teams and jumping from the edge of space, Red Bull, under the guidance of his marketing genius, has become a household name and they sold 9.8 billion cans of Red Bull in 2021 alone. Can you believe it? Mutterschutz passed away after a long battle, having been sick for a while, and uh, Forbes pegs Mutterschutz's fortune at around $20.2 billion. And uh, he was the 71st richest person in the world at the time of his death, and he leaves behind one son, Mark. Then, a Rolex robbery. IOL reports a 23-year-old man who was shot outside a shopping mall in Santon, allegedly for his Rolex watch, is in a stable condition in hospital. Investigations are underway. Then, trouble at the park. Popular restaurant Truffles on the Park at Mushroom Farm Park has been withstanding attempts to shut down the operation by Johannesburg City Parks and Zoo. In the midst of a contentious dispute with Johannesburg City Parks and Zoo, owners of Santon Business, Truffles on the Park, have managed to avoid threats and physical attempts to being evicted. At the heart of the conflict is a failed business arrangement with the restaurant's prior partners, 
which is being used by the city to support its argument that Truffles is operating unlawfully, even though the business has been operating for around five years at Mushroom Farm Park. Despite the city's objections, the Johannesburg High Court this week has decided in favor of Truffles on the park, allowing them to continue operating in the public park. And I think we're still going to see a bit more of this story unfolding over the next couple of months. As always, there's not enough time, so let's leave it right there with the headlines for this week. Time to catch up on the cost of domestic flights with Kobe Gordon, Chief Marketing Officer at Fair. You're listening to the Santon Times Hour. You're listening to the Santon Times Hour. Right, a topic that we've been talking about quite a bit over the last couple of weeks is uh, the upcoming December holidays and travel. And uh, we spoke to a couple of people in the field about the price of airline tickets and everyone's sort of having a cadenza because they feel they're paying an absolute fortune for local domestic flights. And uh, this week, Fly uh, pulled together a couple of key media to chat about uh, what's happening in the industry, what's happening on domestic routes, what's happening with airlines. And I'm thrilled to be joined by Kirby Gordon, who looks after marketing at FlySafe. And he look, get, took us through this uh, this very intensive briefing on all the data, all the information at hand for the industry, for the airline. And uh, Kirby, it's great to catch up with you again. And Kirby, give us a little bit of a, a quick executive uh, summary of uh, where you're at in terms of pricing when it comes to the upcoming December break. First of all, thanks so much for having me on. And I think the, the reality that we're facing at the moment is a, a situation where we've got a whole lot of demand out there thanks to some good recovery from the South African market post-COVID, post-everything that's gone on. But airlines, on the other hand, in our little recovery journey, we've had a, a couple of stumbles along the way. And so the supply of airline seats at, the, at this point is actually insufficient to the demand. And what that means ultimately is that because there's so many people that want to jump on planes at the moment, people are experiencing starting to purchase the higher seats, uh, the higher priced seats, the last ones that we sell along the way. And of course, the other problem is that, and we certainly saw that over the last two weeks, for example, sometimes there just aren't seats available that they're actually selling out. So, so that's, I think, a very top line kind of view in terms of what's going on is just the fact that we're really struggling to get enough aircraft out there onto the runways of South Africa to actually serve all of those South Africans who want to fly. So I think if we looked at some of the graphs that you presented uh, to this briefing, and it was quite interesting to see this. So if we look at sort of pre-March 2020, which was pre-COVID, we had about, I think it's 1.6 million seats available across the industry. And the industry is probably using 70, 80% of those seats. We then had the the, the COVID uh, collapse where everything just closed, everything just stopped. And that literally flatlined everything, demand and supply. And then we came out of that period with a smorgasbord of graphs where everything was literally topsy-turvy. There was either too much demand and not enough supply or too much supply and not enough demand. And uh, pricing and availability just went through the roof. We're now starting to see things uh, stable out a bit, but with the closure of Comair, with the... things happening at SAA, Mango not coming back online again, we're about 400,000 seats short, which means, based on what you've also just said, that the issue isn't as much that seats have gotten more expensive. It's that they've become rarer. And if you're trying to book a seat now, maybe you're booking it at the same time you normally would have booked it, but that time now is too late. So you actually have to start booking much earlier 
to get the prices that you were used to two years ago. Have I got that right? You hit the nail on the head. You absolutely have. I mean, the reality is that it was it was kind of quite a boring story, as you said, right before before COVID. You know, we sat with this about 1.6 million seats on the domestic market, and that's that seats anywhere from a South African destination to a South African destination. And and what we saw with pricing over that period is what we all knew was happening, and that is that it would you know prices average prices would go up a little bit over Easter, over Christmas, for example, when we had periods of high demand, school holidays, and then there'd be like random periods in the middle of the year, in the middle of winter, where you you know, we, we, where we as airlines would really struggle to get a kind of decent fare. And that was a market that was in equilibrium. You know, that was a market that made sense at that stage. Um, and as you rightly said, we went up, we went down, we had Omicron, we had different closures, we had airlines defaulting. Um, and so it's been a very tumultuous and turbulent time in that supply. And, and it certainly is starting to level out. And South African supply now is back to about 75%. Um, you rightly said it was, you know, we used to have about 1.6 million. We're now, as of October, back to 1.2 million. And there's a shortage of about 400,000 seats in the market to get back to where we had been previously, which to the best of our knowledge is the size of our market, right? I mean, that's what we should be getting back to. And you're 100% correct in saying that because there's such a rush on the fewer seats that they are, if you're the kind of individual that, you know, traditionally booked two weeks out, in the past, when you were booking two weeks out for a flight, you might have been booking a flight that was, let's say, 50% full. But because the demand is so much higher now on the fewer flights, um, or relative to the to the supply of the seats, you now may be booking a flight that is 75%, 80% full. So you're getting the more expensive seats along the way. So the sort of consumer tip on that front is to try and book in advance so that you're still booking when the aircraft is only 50% full. I was actually going to say that. If you're listening to this and you take nothing else out of this conversation, if you're booking your December holiday, book it now. Don't wait till the 16th. Oh, Don't wait till the 1st. 100%. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Book it right now, honestly. <laughs> because otherwise you are going to face a situation where you're basically scrambling for whatever seats are left. Now, let's talk about these this, the seat shortage. Uh, there are plans underway to now try and cover those 400,000 seats that the industry, not just Flysafe, but the entire industry is short. I know there's a bit of run on the plane sale. I think everyone's trying to get whatever planes they can get to to now stock up and, and create uh, additional supply to try and stabilize that, that pricing that we're experiencing at the moment. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I was asked a little while ago whether there's actually some sort of incentive for airlines because the prices that we're achieving now are a little bit higher, whether there's any kind of incentive for us to, say, drag our heels in terms of increasing that supply and getting additional aircraft. And that couldn't be further from the truth. I mean, the reality is that the opposite is 100% what's happening. Uh, for starters, it makes we would, we stand to make a lot more money by operating far more seats at, a let's say, a moderate price versus fewer at a higher price. That's just the way the economies work out. But equally, we do actually have competition in in our market, which even though we feel like we've lost a couple of carriers along the way, there are still um, at least four of us that are contesting the market quite strongly, which is actually quite a number of carriers if you compare that to, say, different European markets. And all, all of us are actively purchasing aircraft. We've committed to bringing in an additional six before the end of April. Um, they'll come in in a staggered fashion every couple of weeks. And I know the same is true across a number of other airlines. I mean, that's a matter of public record. For want of a better term, it's not a land grab, it's a sky grab, if I can call it that. You know, we're all doing what we can now to ensure that we get in there, that you get your capacity into the routes that really need it the most, and that you can kind of uh, win that bit of market share that's available. I think we did the calculation based on the Boeing 737. It's about, I think, 11 to 12 planes that would probably cover the shortfall. Uh, that everyone has to get across the industry. So not just fly so fair, but, but everyone has to kind of get their little piece of those 11 or 12 planes. 
Yeah, that's 100% correct. So a Boeing 737 is what we operate. It's what's kind of largely operated in the market at the moment. It's got a capacity of, depending on which model you have, between 160 and 180 seats available on it. Uh, there are obviously Airbus equivalences that you that, that you know other airlines can operate. Um, and the reality is, if we look at how that would be deployed in a flying day on a traditional South African network, where our flights are, you know, anywhere from about 40, 50 minutes to two hours, uh, you can you can you can pump about 35,000 seats yeah. a month onto the with one of those aircraft so based on that calculation a shortage of 400 uh you're looking at about 11 and a half 12 aircraft that'll come in so we should be we should be providing half of what's required ourselves and another hot suggestion you provided was to say if you can juggle your holiday a bit and you've got a little bit of uh, space to play look at the last week in january the last two weeks in january 2023 great time to travel I think not just with uh, airline prices probably being way more reasonable, but also destinations probably being way more reasonable as well. Because really the hot period is uh, December and the last uh, those first two weeks in January 2023, which are probably going to be uh, in high demand. And then according to some of the calculations, uh, forecasts you've made, we're looking at February 2023 kind of looking at a new normal in terms of pricing, a stabilization, all things being equal and hopefully not anything else coming out of the woodworks. Obviously adding on inflation and all the other things that sort of are year-on-year costs that come into it. So by winter next year, we should probably get back to a point where we kind of are in a comfortable space on predictable pricing for, for domestic flights. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, it's a, it's about that market reaching equilibrium again, right? It's about the supply and the demand kind of reaching each other in a, in a comfortable space where no one's sort of bigger than anyone else. And and we reckon that uh, you're absolutely right. The last two weeks of January, I mean, sometimes we jest and say if there was ever a time of the year where we could actually just close the doors, pack it in, and go home, it would probably be the last two weeks of January because everyone's <laughs> come back from their holidays, they're done, they're not flying, and businesses haven't really opened up yet and made any plans to go anywhere. So there's like very little traffic at that point. So if you are looking for a good bargain and you can get away and you can postpone your holiday to that point by all means do it and you're absolutely right there'll be some bargains on the accommodation front as well i'm sure because that's just generally quite a quiet time but yes you know our prediction at this stage is that between you know the the increase of supply with these additional aircraft coming on and that natural reduction in demand over that period of the year the market's going to meet its sweet equilibrium for the first time we will go through easter thereafter Easter is always a period of high affairs. That will be the reality again. There's no avoiding it. It's always just a great period for us. Um, there's so many public holidays. There's so much that happens at that stage. It'll always be a period of high demand. Uh, will we have the realities that we've been facing the last two weeks where aircraft are just selling out like crazy, you know, five, six days in advance? Well, that's possibly not going to be the case. I mean, I think there should be supply in the market, but fares will probably still be higher. Um, so that'll be what we'll see in Easter. And then, as you say, proceeding again then into the winter, it's going it, to we, we're definitely going to see a market in equilibrium. And you'll probably see airlines starting to run promotions again over that period. You know, we haven't had a lot of these kinds of airline sales that we've known for a long time. I think pretty much since pre-COVID, you know, there have been very few of them, actually. Uh, we've certainly run a few, but not a whole lot. And, and, you know, those are things that we do to stimulate demand when we're in periods where the supply is just you know, superior to the demand. And, and that's obviously not a, a reality that we faced for a little while. Well, there you have it. It's uh, Kirby Gordon. He looks after marketing at Fly Safe, but also was the host of this briefing that he took us through. It took us about, I think we were there for almost two hours, talking about aviation, talking about everything aviation, fuel. And I mean, we went through the graphs, the economics. Uh, we literally dissected this entire industry over those two hours. And uh, we've given you the executive summary on this, literally. The highlights are that book your flights well in advance if you're going away. You know, make sure that you've got a bit of a plan in place. Try not to go at 
peak times like December the 16th, come back first, second of January. Try and see if you can spread that out a little bit. And like we said, if the industry uh, manages to increase that uh, supply of seats, increases uh, you know capacity again, hopefully we'll see that even out again and we'll see how the pricing adjusts accordingly. And I thank him for making the time. It's the bottom of the hour and it's time for a quick musical break. The Santon Times Hour continues. You're listening to the Santon Times Hour on Mix 93.8 FM, and uh, that was Lost Frequencies. And are you with me? Taking you into the second half of the Santon Times Hour, my name is Alexander Leipner, and you uh, know how this works. If there's anything that sounded fantastic during the show, but you didn't manage to jot down the details, well, make sure you visit the show notes on the uh, Santon Times, which is uh, www.santontimes.co.za, for a detailed breakdown of everything discussed on this week's edition. So if you needed a phone number, an, an email address, a website, anything that you uh, picked up, we'll put those up on the show notes. Also be sure to check out the social media accounts at Santon Times and feel free to engage. And you can always send a tweet, an email, a WhatsApp, uh, a DM, a voice note, what, whatever works for you. And uh, you can also use the hashtag Santon Times Hour. Now we're obviously in the holiday spirits. We're really talking about so many things about holidays, about traveling, about going places. And uh, you're probably already thinking about your December break. I mean, there's still a little bit to go, but it's literally around the corner. And this past week, uh, we had the privilege of joining MSC Cruises for a roadshow. And they've uh, given us a taster of uh, what they are putting on for December. And I'm thrilled to be joined by Ross Folk. He's the Managing Director of MSC Cruises in South Africa. And Ross, listen, first off, a great roadshow. I mean, you had Mafiki Zolo, you had David Cow, you had uh, a whole potpourri of entertainment. I mean, I felt like we were on a cruise already and we hadn't even gotten onto one. No, well, we have to make sure that we get the entertainment uh, on shore as, as good as what we offer on board the vessel. So I think that's kind of a, a taster for what you can experience on board the ship. Well, I, I think you did a great job with that. And as I say, we, we left uh, having had a, a really great time, but also some really great insights into what you've got lined up over the next couple of months, because we are going into cruise season. And kicking it off, there was an announcement a couple of weeks uh, back where you were saying you're bringing back uh, the two ships that I think have uh, served South African waters for quite some time. And then you're bringing another ship into, the, into our South African waters that we haven't seen before. Yeah, so this season 22-23, we're going to have two vessels uh, servicing South Africa for the first time, two different classes. So people know MSC Symphonia well. It was here from about 2012 to 2017. And uh, she'll be based out of Cape Town, running cruises to Volpus Bay and uh, Mossel Bay on a, on a weekly basis through from the 16th of December through to the, uh, the 6th of March. And then MSC Orchestra, who's been here for a while, since 2019, will run out of Durban on a weekly roster to Mozambique from the 19th of December, so very shortly, less than a month away, until the middle of April. Okay. And then uh, you mentioned the new ship, MSC Splendida, which is uh, the most luxurious ship in the MSC fleet to service South Africa, will be here next year from November 23 through to April 24. Uh, tell us a little bit more about Splendia, because obviously the other two ships, uh, for people who have been on them, they, they're very familiar with them. But what makes Splendida so different? Well, obviously, it's a little bigger. So it has a thousand additional passengers in capacity to MSC Orchestra and almost double the size of uh, MSC Symphonia. It's more modern in terms of it was built uh, 2009, it's 136,000 tons. And it will have uh, the new, well, it will have the ship within a ship concept called our MSC Yacht Club. Now, what's uh, fascinating about that is, you know, as ships get bigger, you have uh, more and more people on board, but you 
you, you cater for the exclusivity in this uh, yacht club because it enables you to have private butler service, private dining, private swimming pool. Uh, you get access to spa treatments. You get uh, you know access to all sorts of things on a, on a privacy basis without having to go through the big crowds and without having to engage with, the, with a lot of people, but you still get the amenities of a big ship, which I think is a phenomenal experience for us. So from an exclusivity perspective, it just brings a new dynamic to the way in which cruising is going to be experienced in South African waters. Well, it certainly sounds like my kind of cruise, uh, Ross. One thing I have picked up on, which I find quite interesting, is that there seems to be a bit of a, a gold rush, or is it a, a ship rush or cruise rush for South Africa? I mean, across the industry, I'm getting more and more releases, announcements, uh, content of ships entering South African waters. What is what I feel a sudden interest in South Africa and cruising? I think it's, uh, you know, it goes back to that thing of Africa as this uh, very bespoke destination for people worldwide. And I think as the world becomes more globalized, people are looking for that unique experience. And Cape Town in particular, but South Africa in general, has a wonderful uh, offering to the, to the rest of the world. So I think it, it kind of goes without saying that you're seeing an additional amount of cruisers coming to the respective destinations within Southern Africa because there's a draw card for, for wonderful, unique places. And I think Cape Town's a bucket list for many people, and that's why you're seeing the draw card into the Cape. Um, but I think we shouldn't forget the, the, the other opportunities of, uh, of Durban and the various other places within South Africa being an incredible destination for people to come to. Yeah. Well, Cape Town's already had a notable uh, cruise terminal where you've said a lot of international ships have, have, have landed and also have made use of it. You've now put uh, a bit of money on the table and you've now also put a cruise terminal in place in Durban, which is a significant investment, not only uh, for your business, but the entire cruise industry. Yeah, so we invested uh, 300 million rand in a cruise terminal in Durban. Um, we've been working with the TNPA now for roughly seven years. It came online last year, December, and it will operate now for the next uh, sort of 30 years. Um, but yeah, it was uh, kind of designed with, uh, with expansion in mind. It was designed with the iconic uh, buildings of, of Durban in mind. It was also designed with the ethos of the Zulu Kingdom because the colors and the color configuration and the design kind of reflect the cultural aspects of, uh, of the Zulu Kingdom, which I think is very important. You know, as an international company, we also need to pay respect to local culture and local language and local traditions. And I think that's what we've tried to encompass within that investment. Um, and I think to a large part, we've been quite successful. Last week, we had the Maritime Conference down there with the Department of Transport, and they were ecstatic about the developments, and they really enjoyed the building. So I think that's uh, that's very positive. Well, listen, I think it's certainly an exciting time for cruisers in South Africa and for people wanting to go onto cruises in South Africa. And uh, I think it's definitely something to keep an eye out. I mean, as I say, we're going into the cruise season right now. I think we've only just started in terms of some of the offers and some of the opportunities that are available and also routes that are available. And I'm thrilled to have been joined by Ross Falk. He's the Managing Director of MSC Cruises here on the Santon Times Hour. Connect with the Santon Times. Email editor at santontimes.co.za. This is the Santon Times on Mix 93.8 FM. And uh, as they say on uh, Monty Python, and now for something completely different. I don't know about you, if you've got an air fryer, it feels like everybody in the world has got an air fryer these days. I actually got a bigger air fryer after I got a small air fryer, I realized you can't put a whole chicken in it. Uh, now I got a bigger air fryer to put a bigger chicken in it. And it feels like the whole world is now suddenly uh, revolving around air fryers in kitchens. I mean, even the old microwave, good old faithful, uh, is now taking a backseat 
to the air fryer. And I don't know what what your mind is or what your thoughts are on uh, on the air fryer if you've got one. I'm joined by Louisa Holtz. She's the author of a new book that's come out called The South African Air Fryer Cookbook. And Louisa, to kick things off, I want to know from you and be honest with me here. Did you buy into the air fryer straight away when you saw it? Or were you also somebody who said, well, I'm going to see how this goes or this is absolutely ridiculous? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. Um, I didn't buy into it straight away. Um, I was quite sort of apprehensive about it, I suppose. Um, being a traditional recipe developer, magazine food writer. So, I mean, yeah, I was a bit apprehensive. But then I, I landed up buying an air fryer because it was on a Black Friday special. So I thought, okay, well, let me give it a go. Everybody's talking about it. But I, I must say, it did take a while to get into it and to, you know, I had to learn to start experimenting and seeing what worked and what didn't. But as soon as you start realizing how quick and easy it is, I think that's when it, that's when the bug bites. And I think that's why it's so popular now. Because people, you know, as soon as they see, oh, I can do this so much quicker, you know, it takes less electricity, it saves me time, and there you go. It's it's a quick and easy way to, you know, put dinner on the table. So that's why we came up with this idea for the book. So just to give people ideas how to use the air fryer and quick and easy ways, you know. Well, I feel like we've seen this thing before. Like I felt like Somewhere in the mid-90s or somewhere in the early 2000s, Very Mark was selling something that looked like an air fryer <laughs> or sounded like an air fryer. And it just didn't take off. It was like, mm, okay, uh, you know, it's one of, another one of those appliances you were going to have in the kitchen. I mean, now this thing has yeah. absolutely achieved mainstream status. I mean, some people are no, buying absolutely. an air fryer over anything else. It's true. <laughs> It's true, but I, I think, like I say, I think as soon as people experiment with it, and then, you know, you, your neighbor has one, and your cousin, and your friend, and everyone starts talking about it, and then you realize, look, I'm getting left behind on this, maybe I'm missing out, so, so yeah, I think that's why it's just become such a big hit. So, yeah, uh, we're hoping that the, the recipes in our book are going to encourage people even more to try it out, so we've, we've really gone with the South African um uh, looked at the South African market and uh, South African ingredients because there really isn't something like that on the market at the moment in recipe books. So, um, so yeah, so this is a chance for people to make try and make all these South African favorites like your babutis and your milk tarts and all those kind of things, um, but now in the air fryer. So I think people like to experiment. People seem to be really enjoying experimenting with the air fryers. So, yeah, so that's what we've done. We've given them recipes to help them do that. Well, let, let's get into that because, I mean, I must be quite honest, I've only ever used my air fryer to warm up stuff. And that seems to be like the, <laughs> yeah. the go-to default. It seems like the obvious thing to do. If, you, if you've ever turned your air fryer around or kind of taken it apart to a greater extent, you can have a look at it. It's quite a simple concept. I mean, it's like a, a heated plate and then there's air that blows through the heated plate and creates sort of this, I don't know, like sort of bubble of hot air that kind of circulates around the food, which is great if you want stuff to be crispy. So this is where the microwave absolutely failed, was the fact that if you wanted food to be crispy, you got hot food. Sometimes the plate was hotter than the food, but that's another conversation altogether. But at yeah. least in the air fryer, you can get it crispy. Now to go from being a unit that you use to warm up stuff to a unit that you use to primarily cook is now is quite a step. I mentioned earlier on, I've done a roast chicken in it. I've maybe done some some lamb chops or some pork chops. Now we're talking about baking here. How, how, does, yes. that, how does that work? <laughs> I mean, just, just, just walk us through this gently for uh, air fryer beginners. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, like you say, you know, I think that was the, the failure of the, well, I mean, microwaves still have their place, but you really weren't able to do baking and much, uh, you know, uh, cooking as such, other than baking your potatoes or, um, you know, that kind of thing. Whereas the air fryer, it's essentially a small oven, so it, it works pretty similar. As you say, the element, and I mean, it, it obviously it's working with a lot of hot air that's flowing around, so it is different to the oven. But at the same time, you can do so much more with it. You can actually bake. You can do your roasts. Pork roast comes out fantastic in the air fryer and in, in half the time of a, in your convection oven. Um, and baking's the same. Look, there obviously are some drawbacks. You can't, because the air fryer is quite small, so you can't bake big quantities or big batches of biscuits or things like that. But say you want to make a few um, scones or you want to make muffins for fresh for the morning for breakfast or you want to quickly whip up a, a nice milli bread for your braai, it's, it, it's actually ideal. Um, and it's, like I say, much quicker and saves on electricity. So, I mean, I, I've really like started using my air for a whole lot more. Uh, especially experimenting with recipes for the book. And then you actually realize there's so many things you can do in the air fryer. That's I'm, fantastic. I mean, it seems like a, it seems like an invention that a sort of a, a closet uh, gourmet eater cooked up because I think the initial, <laughs> the initial selling point for the air fryer was the fact that it's healthy and the oil drips out and whatever, whatever. And now we're talking about making scones and milk tart in an air fryer, which almost feels like it's defeating the point. But like you said, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, it's a miniature oven and yeah, I mean, if it's there, I mean, there's probably a whole bunch of things that we can do and more with with that energy and with the way it it bakes things. Now, given the fact that this thing has been designed to uh, to to have a drip tray and to have uh, you know holes in the bottom where where things get caught, how does that? How, how do you now uh, design cake or scones so so the so the the dirk, as they would say in Afrikaans, or the dough, doesn't start running through the bottom. Do you, do you put foil into it? I mean, what's sort of the, the, the trick there? Yes, no, obviously um, you have to adapt your recipes and, and the way you cook. But um, yeah, you can put a layer of foil on the bottom, but you can also get, uh, I mean, nowadays you just go onto the internet or you go to the baking shops and they've actually got specific little um, baking tins and little um, containers that you can use in your air fryer that fit in the air fryer. So, um, and you get silicone uh, muffin holders so that you can use for your muffins or your cupcakes. Not exactly the same as the oven, but like I say, there's many things you can do that are, but yeah, you have to cover that base. You, otherwise, yes, you're going to get your, your dough dripping through the, into the drip tray. But yeah. So what's your favorite recipe out of the South African air fryer cookbook? Because you were saying it's it's something that hasn't been done before. I suppose internationally, there's been a lot of different takes on air fryer recipe cookbooks. What is your favorite one in terms of South Africa? Well, there's a, a lovely chicken. We do a nice um, Malay chicken in a roti. Well, the roti you don't make in the air fryer, but the you know air fryers cook a chicken breast beautifully. So just marinated in lovely Malay spices with, a, with yogurt and then one, two, three, it cooks in the air fryer so quickly. So we have that. I think that's one of my favorites. Um, the milk tart actually comes out really well, <laughs> surprisingly. Um, oh, the mulva pudding. Mulva pudding is one of my favorites. So that we did. And that, you know, we just baked it in a, um, you go to one of the crazy stores or any um, shop that sells packaging products, just the um, 15 centimeter foil containers. And then, so you don't have to have fancy baking equipment, 
the 15 centimeter or 20 centimeter foil containers fit into the air fryer. You bake it in there. It's so nice. You can actually bake it up, take it along with you to, to a braai if you're going to one or to somewhere for dessert. So yeah, I, I would say that the mold is a good choice. <laughs> Well, there you have it, Louisa Holst. She's got a new book on the market called The South African Air Fryer Cookbook. And if you want to do more than just uh, resurrect the takeaway chips from last night or maybe uh, get some chicken wings or, or ribs on the go, this is something for that next step. So when you want to be a bit more advanced with your cooking, if you want to start cooking in an air fryer, go check out the South African Air Fryer Cookbook by Louisa Holst. And uh, I thank her for joining us on the Santon Times Hour. Thank you, Alex. I love your professionalism and thank you for having me on. You're listening to the Santon Times Hour. The Santon Times Hour on Mix 93.8 FM and available on all good podcast platforms. Make sure to rate, subscribe, like, share, the whole lot. Well, talking about Santon and, uh, you know, Greater Santon, Santon Central, all the elements that make up Santon. Uh, I had the chance this past week to explore Santon, and you think, well, you know, I mean, it's probably something you do every single day, which is true. But, you know, sometimes you need a little bit of a reminder of what's actually happening in the heart of Santon and what's happening in and around Santon. And that's sort of the genesis of a campaign looking to throw the spotlight on Santon, as we, I suppose, do every single week on the show anyway. Joining me on the line is Elaine Jack. She's the precinct manager for Santon Central. And Elaine, I know we've spoken uh, in the past, but maybe just to refresh everyone's memory, what makes up Santon Central versus Santon City or Greater Santon or whatever people refer to as Santon? I mean, I've got people in North Riding telling me they stay in Santon. Thank you for giving me this opportunity. So just to pull you back a little bit, the Santon Central precinct was set up in the year 2000. So it was really a brainchild of, uh, you know, a lot of our property owners seeing the demise of what happened in the inner city uh, in terms of urban degeneration. And then having had a lot of businesses move out of the inner city into a new area like Santon, uh, they felt that, you know, for future safeguarding of their very asset, it was important that they look after the public realm. And uh, a city improvement district model materialized and um, uh, we came about uh, Santon Central, which yeah started um, in the year 2000. So, so really what makes up the precinct is pretty much uh, you have a defined geographical area, then all those property owners all supplement through a levy. And with those levies, we take care of the public realm, uh, be it security, cleaning and maintenance, special projects and marketing of the, the, the destination. So it's, it's more of a management arrangement. It's not necessarily a municipality or a sort of legal entity that can enforce bylaws or, or sort of tell people where they can take photos or can't take photos. No, so so pretty much we are supplementing and complementing over and above what the city provides in the public space. So top up of security, top up of a further cleaning and taking care of the public space. So we don't take over the municipality's role because we are playing and managing in the public space which still ultimately belongs to the city. But of course, now this is the private sector coming in and saying, you know, we want to take care of our public space even more. Even though we still pay rates and taxes, we're now doing a top-up service to, to taking care of the public space. 
So, Len, why has it been so important to sort of remind people of, of Santon Central? I mean, a lot of people might say, you know, Santon City is a, is a monument. The Santon Convention Center is reopening <laughs> again. Things are coming to life there. I mean, all the five-star hotels and restaurants that Santon has. Does it need any refreshing or reminding? I think it's always good to to always be um, in the uh, headlines of of you know saying here we are still here. Um, I think there was also a lot of negative news during the pandemic. You know, uh, is this the the end of Santon and offices and um, would would Santon survive uh, the pandemic? And really, we want to 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 actually invite people coming back to to the open space to to a place like Santon that has so much to offer, uh, not just from a work environment point of view. You can live, you can play, uh, visit shop, um, and and do come come and attend short meetings. Uh, and and what a fifteen minute neighborhood has to offer that uh, Santon has uh, that in in from an amenity point of view. And uh, so much has changed the last two years. You know, obviously, sadly, some businesses didn't survive, and some businesses actually found opportunity in Santon. So we really wanted to build awareness campaign and say come to Santon, experience it by feet, experience it by car, whatever, come and actually see what has changed because our doors are definitely open. It since has been open during the pandemic, but, you know, we want to come say, come, come here, come experience it. We've got so much yet to still offer here in Santon. Yeah. I mean, you've got, you've got I mean, a bit of insight into the data or some of the movements in terms of Santon. What, what is the state of play at the moment? What is it looking like sort of, uh, a few months out of uh, most of the or all of the COVID uh, restrictions being lifted, uh, has there been a bit of an upswing? Have we seen more people return to the office, more feet going through the hotels? Definitely, at least a lot of our hotel partners are saying there's definitely been a growth in, in, in of course, their stays. We have seen a lot more foot traffic going into the malls. Our entertainment spaces are busy at night, our weekenders. Um, and of course, our traffic um, has also seen um, a bit of a movement then an increase as well. And but in the meantime, you know, we are, you know, we are trying to obviously try and make it easier for people to come and actually travel into Santon. Uh, we, we we are working with uh, the city in terms of trying to improve uh, traffic flow um, with without regards to the traffic signals. We've uh, included a an increase in in CCTVs to make sure Santon is safe. For our visitors who come into Santon, um, convention centers busy. We are seeing a lot more events now. Joy of Jazz coming in November. We definitely are seeing an increase in movement and um, uh, activities in, in Santon. Of course, Joba Pride is also coming at the end of the month. Well, there you have it, uh, Elaine Jack. She's the precinct manager for Santon Central. And that's it for another Santon Times Hour on Mix 93.8 FM and is always available as a podcast on Apple, Google, and Spotify. Make sure to email us on editor at santontimes.co.za with all your news, your views, your feedback, your reviews, whatever you've got. You can also f- connect with us on social media at Santon Times and visit the website www.santontimes.co.za. Feel free to send through your questions and comments and feedback as always. Thank you to all our guests who've made time to be on this week's edition. Vincenzo, as always, great job, buddy. And uh, thank you to the Sand Times team as well as everyone at Mix93.8 FM. Thank you for listening and let's connect again next week. That's
that's it for this week. Thanks for listening to the Santon Times Hour. And if you enjoyed it, be sure to share it. 